I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into this edition of SCC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me here today as well. It is uh, Tuesday, January the 19th. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. Hope you're uh, glad, to, glad to have you here with us. You know, people asked Chris back in the day. They said, man, that's a great idea, SEC football and beyond. But what do you do when there's no football? And I said, you know, it's interesting you say that because this is the SEC. And it, <laughs> never, really, it never really stops. It slows down at times, takes a hiatus briefly. But it never really stops. Proof of that was yesterday. I taped a recruiting podcast with my colleague, Zach, Be- Zach Barry. We finished, and uh, I was in post-production of that uh, podcast, and I got a text from Chris. And he goes, well, that's our show for tomorrow. And I'd been away from the computer, away from, um, away from social media, I should say. And I said, what are you talking about? Before Chris could even answer, the text started popping in. Tennessee fires Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Phil Fulmer is going to, quote, retire, end quote. There's a lot going on. Tennessee holds a bizarre press conference yesterday. It reminded me of the Ole Miss press conference the day that that they uh, announced NCAA stuff. So, uh, Chris, without further ado, I hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you. I have to believe that uh, that – you have a lot of thoughts on what happened in, in Knoxville yesterday. Yeah, you know, and it, the thoughts go back, and you can see things happening, and, you know, it's like putting together a piece of a puzzle, but you're not quite sure, you know, uh, at least in puzzles, you know what it's going to look like. This is, you know, maybe what it may end up like, but you're just not quite sure the processes that's going to lead to it. You know, you you go into, and I mentioned last week that, okay, you bring in Kevin Steele. Pretty clear to me that you're bringing in Kevin Steele for a reason. Uh, in a hiring freeze, you are bringing him in. Uh, you're further down the road on, you know, the investigation, the independent investigation that something's about to break. And, you know, you know, it, 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 even if, let's just say, nothing was uncovered, which, you know, obviously there was, then, then there's certainly a background with Kevin Steele and justification to say, this is a guy that's of great value that can add to your staff. And he comes cheap because Auburn is paying him most of the money, but it just smelt like, felt like, sounded like everything like, okay, this is somebody that they may have to turn to. It's an unusual time, meaning um, it's late in the process this has clearly been handled by above Philip Fulmer's head by um, uh, the the chancellor um, Chancellor Plumman and and the president Randy Boyd and with the help of a very very expensive legal firm. So they obviously and I mentioned it on Friday show that Thursday was when the last interview took place and that was with Jeremy Pruitt with the investigators. So. Pretty much, I think they knew on Friday. But obviously, it took them a while to, I mean, when you have a five-page termination letter, um, it's just unbelievable, uh, you know, that it would take a long time to to just, you, know, you got to get all that stuff together, all of that stuff to uncover and to put it out. And so it ends up, you know, obviously, we have the announcement to where, you know, it's pretty clear there was a. Uh, a lot of infractions. The thing that jumped out at me in the press conference was two things. One, 
the degree in which the Tennessee administration is saying, look, we've got all of this stuff. We got, I mean, and in this day and age where it's almost better to deny and say, you go and prove it NCAA. And, and usually those are the ones that end up, you know, getting the better of it. Because when you basically say it, you've, you've, the NCAA by the way, has been involved. The NCAA, I found out yesterday had access because all these interviews were zoom meetings. The NCAA has access and was, was listening in on a lot of that. So they have got all the information. They were tipped off. The SEC office was tipped off. So they now know. They basically said, look, this is what we got. This is, you know, and, and it was just so, you can call it transparent, but like bending over backwards. And we yeah. could sit there and say, boy, that is, that's transparent. That's refreshing. But certainly to the point of they've said we're not paying him a penny. So, which I still think that there's going to have to be some buyout because there's going to be lawyers involved anyway, and it's going to be ugly. So let me interrupt here. Let me interrupt. Go ahead. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on the subject. What what are you hearing specifically, if anything, about what the allegations are? What? Well, what, I think it's going to come out, but there's a lot of money that changed hands, and I'll leave it at that. Well, I'm not going to let you leave it at that. It'll well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't verify. Players were paid money. Okay, okay. You know, it's what I've been hurt, hurt. I don't know that, Neil. I didn't see it, you know. That is what has been talked about. And they've got many, 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 many see, I've, level one violations. I covered this at Ole Miss, and boosters would get – fans would get angry. They would say, I don't know why we're, we're, we're rolling over. And my answer was always the same thing. You can deny as long as you have plausible deniability. When you lose plausible deniability, now you don't need to keep denying. You need to own it. And you because there's there's going to come a moment where you're going to beg for mercy. And because here's the thing, Chris, and maybe you'll disagree with this. I've had this fight with Ole Miss people for years. You know, I was in Alabama when Alabama got hit hard. Uh the I'll remember the Logan Young stuff with what was this, Albert Means and Albert Means in Memphis. There's no bigger myth, in my opinion, and you might disagree, there's no bigger myth than the NCAA doesn't want to hit the big boys. In fact, the NCAA, I always call this kind of like hunting. I'm not a hunter. But the hunters out there, the, the, the one that they put on the wall the, is, is the, the biggest buck. They, they put the one that has the most, what's it called, points, the antler points. They, they, the, the one that has the most points, that's the one they want to put on the wall to show off to their friends. The NCAA wants those investigators, they want to show off the biggest buck. And sometimes they end up getting George Mason or something because that's where they got, that's who they caught. But the one they really want to catch is the big boy. They want to bring down a big boy. And when they bring down an Ohio State and Alabama, uh, Ole Miss, when Hugh Freeze had Ole Miss rolling, when they do that, it's it's a scalp on the wall. And there's there's no question in my mind that Tennessee's a big enough boy that that they had a target on their back. And in this case, if in Tennessee's internal investigation, because keep in mind, there's no notice of allegations from the NCAA yet. Now, it, well, the NCAA, it, whatever their former work, they're, they're fully aware of this because they were tipped off to this. So, I don't know if you send a notice. I mean, you do send a notice of allegations, but, you know, it's, I, I guess, there's a formality, but you don't need to, you know, it's kind of a, we're going to send a notice of allegations on the stuff that we've already been a part of learning. So to finish what I'm saying is that, so this is, this was, um, this was tipped off from inside. This is, this is considered an inside job from what I understand. There, there are people that were aware of this and, pointed this out and and well i mean i mean the the, the the chancellor said it on november what she say november 13th or november i forget the exact date that she was brought with credible evidence that they investigated and it led to this well you know i would say that that this has a lot to me of if jeremy pruitt had won seven games nine games and eight games this year I, you know, don't believe that we'd be going down this path. We'd be, we'd be firing some 
recruiting assistants. We'd be doing a lot of things. We'd be we'd be saving the head coach. I believe this is um, this is interesting in that what this does is says we're going to fire him with cause. We're going to fire and. Shelton Fenton and Brian Niedermeyer, two assistants with cause. We're going to fire the director of player personnel and assistant director of player personnel with cause. And then four members of the recruiting staff with cause and a analyst quality control coach with cause. That's a total of 10 people with cause. Now they're going to lawyer up and Jeremy certainly is lawyered up and we'll see what can they prove that he knew and when did he know it? And usually I still would say that Tennessee would likely um, you know, even then in the, they may say that they're not, I would think there'll be, there's always some sort of negotiation, you know, to a point but, or else the lawyers just get rich on that. But the point is, no, I do think it's in, interesting that they came out. You never have somebody come out in a press conference and say, we got all this. We were staggered. It was like, it was like they were, it's like they were talking about another program. So, yeah, they're trying to fall on the NCAA. One thing we know, history says that, oh, they'll be more lenient on you. I don't know if that's – usually that's that's not always the case. But it it is difficult let – me, let me put it to you this way. It's very, very difficult with the NCAA's lack of enforcement arm to be able to prove all the things that Tennessee just admitted to. So I'm not saying that it was a good thing or a bad thing. I'm saying it's an unusual thing. The other thing was – my God, I didn't know that we were going to have – it was a press conference, and it was like, we're, we're, we're here to praise – I thought it was Philip Former's Retirement Hall of Fame press conference. It was like they were fawning over Philip, and in a way that they made it over that clearly Philip wasn't involved, which I don't think he was involved. Um, but, you know, it was interesting in that – that was made obvious that Jeremy Pruitt was responsible for his staff, but boy, there was no, no culpability for Philip Former having any responsibility overseeing his head coach. There was none of that. It was like, oh, poor Philip. We we thank you for, you know, and it and I, you know, it was a little bit over the top. And I, you know, Philip is politically connected to the point where it was very clear during this process that he wanted to look like as Philip always does, like the, the knight in shining armor, like, you know, going back to when he clearly put the knife in and uh, Johnny majors back, it was made to seem like, you know, he was the guy come and save the day. I, I love Philip, but man, does he, does he, I don't know that there's anybody cares more about his image than anybody and nobody just, you know, loves Philip more than Philip. It was very, very, those two things were very intriguing to me. Well, what it's going to do. Yeah. They may save, I don't know how much money, let's say they save 12 and a half million dollars. It's going to cost them a hell of a lot more. When you look at everything that's going to take place, this is going to be a disaster because now as you go forward with this program and everyone says, well, they got to go and hire a guy. They got to get a guy. Okay, they're going to go and hire a guy. The first thing a coach is going to want to know, I know this. I'm involved in this regularly. Well, what's the NCAA status? Well, you're not going to know that for a while. The NCAA is not going to come down with their ruling. You know it's going to be bad. You know they're probably going to be hammered, but you don't know the details yet. Well, a head coach is going to want to know that. And so it's going to be very, very difficult to get that job now. I mean, remember when we had a conversation back when – kind of when Matt Luke ended up retain, being retained at Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of it was in my mind and my thinking was, look, they don't know exactly. And Matt's kind of the loyal guy that'll just do the job. And then a year from now, two years from now, whatever, the job is going to be more appealing than now because at least you're going to know. The unknown is worse than the known. I mean, it's when you know it and it's okay. bad. But then you your mind goes to different places. So if you're a coach with any status, you're going to be very, very leery of what's going on at Tennessee and what's in the future. And this is going to be one of those Matt Rule type of contracts for me if I'm a head coach. It better be seven years 
And so, you know, the first two or three is going to be about rebuilding everything and don't don't even come to me if we don't even win a game. You follow me? I mean, it's going to be one of those deals. Yeah, so the, 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 the here's what Tennessee's staring at, no matter how this ends. They're staring at a two- to three-year process of being sort of hanging in the wind a little bit. It's going to take the NCAA time. It, I don't probably don't need to remind anybody they're in the middle. We're in the middle of a pandemic. They're uh, they're short staffed. They can't. Although, although Neil, they got a lot of their work was already done for them. They're yeah. way ahead of it now. I mean, it it does take. You never know what the time frame is. Of the NCAA. I'll say this. They go slow. They, they they yeah. But let me tell you, the investigative part that's pretty much been done for them and paid for. So they kind of now it's like they may have some questions. But they pretty much got them all answered. Now it's just it. This could be quicker, but than even normal. But they, but there may be other stuff that comes out. But even and by the way, uh, 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 you go into a, a legal fight. This is why you always have settlements. You go into a courtroom, and all that stuff that comes out of the closet yeah. that is not even there. You better be careful about that. Better be careful about that. But it still takes time. They have a process that's lengthy. They have NCAA has committees and hearings and getting mm-hmm. all people together. It takes time, and and um, I, I've watched it. It just drags and it drags and it drags and it drags. Now, Tennessee's in a different spot because it, it does not appear that they're going to argue these allegations. It appears they're going to try to put the blame on on the ten people that were fired yesterday and say, hey, you know, we we didn't. Uh, we as soon as we found out about this, we acted. We acted accordingly. And in fairness to them, they did. I mean, in in so many yeah. ways, in so many ways, the, the you know the last major NCAA football case with the, with the SEC was was Ole Miss. And in so many ways, what Ole Miss did wrong, frankly, now you know the timing would have been such that it would have been would have been difficult. But when the second NOA hit at Ole Miss in January of 2016. Keep in mind, Hugh Freeze was weeks removed, not not years, weeks removed from winning the Sugar Bowl at, at Ole Miss, beating Oklahoma State in that game. And um, they, the feeling inside that administration was they just did not have the gravitas or, or the, the, the stroke at that point to, uh, to fire Hugh Freeze. But – probably was their biggest mistake. They probably would have been better off from an NCAA standpoint that day going, hey, look, we can't keep going like this. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. We're cleaning house, blah, blah, blah. They didn't do it. Tennessee, to your point, is not coming off a Sugar Bowl win. Tennessee's coming off another very disappointing season, and it made that part of it easier for them to do. But the process is still slow. It's going to take time. And now you move forward in this this environment of – of unknowns. And here's the other unknown for Tennessee from a money standpoint. They just got through losing a lot of money in a football season because of a pandemic. They're going to lose money in a basketball season because of a pandemic. And as of today, January the 19th, nobody out there can guarantee anyone that you're going to have full stadiums in the fall. So they might lose more money to a pandemic. I think it's one when people say who's going to be the coach at Tennessee. To me, the very easy answer for who's going to coach Tennessee in the fall of 2021 is Kevin Steele. Well, I, to me, if you're Tennessee, you've got to take a step back now. All the things you mentioned about the timing, the difficulty, because they've come out and said, and again, it was couched this way at Phillip. You know, I think it's best that you know that the timing, and and Phillip will stay there until they fire and define a new athletic director, but the new athletic director is going to hire the new coach. So how long is that going to take? Well, you know, we'll get into some of the candidates there for the athletic director spot and what they may do and may not do, but the timing's difficult. Again, they hired Kevin Steele for a reason. They hired Kevin Steele for this very moment that they can turn to him. Probably the best thing that they do is let Kevin coach this year, put together a staff so that they, a can take their time and B maybe approach somebody that a year from now they're going to have a better chance of getting than right. they would today. Right. It's just not whomever that they might want to go out and make a run at, I think gonna have a lot of questions. Now, could they get uh Jamie Chadwell right now? Maybe. 
But, you know, again, and he might hit or whatever. But that's, to me, I think you got to, I think you need to look at this and say, we need to get really good leadership, first of all, from the athletic director standpoint, which, by the way, that is, this has been a disaster. And they need to clean up some things because they are a little bit Auburn-like in that they've had a lot of problems. Phillip was a big problem. Phillip former was more of a problem when he wasn't the athletic director and backstabbing the current athletic director. That stuff has got to stop or else they're going to have real problems because then you begin to, when you're sabotaging from within your own program, you've got real, real issues. So they've got to clean some things up and it takes time. And I'm curious to see where they go. Immediately. Everybody says, we need to get up. We need to get a guy an athletic director with Tennessee ties. Okay, I mean, I, I don't know where they go because when you get guys with Tennessee ties, that hadn't worked. When you go outside and get a John Curry that had success at Kansas State, whatever, well, that doesn't work because the, the guys that are the Tennessee guys and the boosters, they're sabotaging him. I mean, I don't know what you do. You got to clean up everything around that program and get good leadership, and then it it falls into hiring a head coach and give him a chance to go out and we're going to build this. And I know people don't want to hear this. And this is not Baylor. It's Tennessee. But you're going to have to say, look, we're going to take our lumps. We got to fix this. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. You don't fix this overnight. It's going to take some time. So I don't know. I mean, there's already, you know, I know for a lot of folks on the Hill, John Gilbert at East Carolina makes a lot of sense. He's got a lot of ties there. Talking about Mark, ADs right now. ADs. Um, you know, Mark Ingram at UAB. Um, you know, um, you know, the, the guy at Western Kentucky, Todd Stewart, um, David Blackburn at MTSU Associated. I mean, they're they're guys that had some background that all right, Tennessee ties. I again sometimes that's good. That's you know, the familiarity's fine. But if it becomes more incestuous of where you're operating in a in a way that's not beneficial for where this need to, program needs to go forward, I don't know. I'm I'm wondering, you know, you know, I don't think it would. I don't know why he would do it at this age, but a guy that I have a lot of respect for, you know, I wonder if they would go and say, "We really need your help," and go to Mitch Barnhart and say. We want you to come here and and just build some. And I don't know that Mitch. Why would Mitch want to leave Kentucky and do that? But you know he's had a lot of lot of time at Tennessee, and he's a proven athletic director. And you know do things pretty well. I know Kentucky basketball people will shake their head and say, "Oh yeah, they're really clean." You know I, I get all that, but you wonder if he might want that challenge and say, I, "I'm not saying it. I'm not trying to start. I'm just I, I'm just thinking outside the box. You got to look at somebody that maybe." that is strong. You can't have a yes, man. You can't have this or that. Cause I'm going to tell you part of the problem that they have is you got the Haslam group and the, the, uh, the, the Charlie Ergen, the district, they're, they're on different sides of the, you know, so they're not all, we don't have the oars going in the same direction there. So it's a, it's a bit of a mess. So everybody that's talking about, well, we, we need to go out and hire a coach quick. I, I don't know that that's how that's going to happen. Cause it ain't going to be quick. Now, maybe they hire an athletic director within a week or two, and maybe they hire a coach a week after. It's not impossible. It's just there's a lot of unknown in which when you're interviewing, you're interviewing the athletic director, you know that you're going to have to clean up. You know you're going into an issue. But both athletic directors and mainly the head coach, whose name is going to be tied to that record in the next few years, is going to want to know what am I looking for, and it's going to cost Tennessee money down the down – the, um, down the road. No question. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that there's any chance that it's someone not named Kevin Steele in 2021. I just don't, I, I don't think that's going to happen because any of the coaches that are worth having are going to ask the questions you just asked, Hey, what am I looking at? And right now they can't get those answers. And as of today, who am I working for? They can't get that answer either until you can have answers. That's right. You're not leaving a good gig. I mean, you're right about Chadwell. I mean, look, he's there were people at, at Coastal Carolina who I know well who when Vanderbilt was kicking the tires on Jamie Chadwell, they weren't particularly worried 
one of the things they told Chadwell, in fact, is, hey, don't don't do Vanderbilt. It's a graveyard. If you'll hang around a year or two, keep winning here, you can go home to Tennessee and, and everyone will understand, but don't go to Vanderbilt. Well, now Tennessee, look, Tennessee's not a graveyard, but it's not a great job today. And here's the thing, Chris. At, at its, and this is just me, and you might disagree. As of this moment, even before the NCAA thing, Tennessee is no better than the seventh best job in this league. It's not as good as Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, LSU. Those are six jobs that are head and shoulders better than the Tennessee job on a good day. On a bad day, and this is a bad day, this is not even the seventh best job in the league. So how do you make it good? And, and I'll answer, I, I will answer my question. The way you make it good is you say, we're in a clean start. We're, we're bringing in this athletic director. We're going to do this. And Mr. Head Coach, we've had some problems. We need good leadership. We're, we need you to come in and clean it up. And I'm using the comparison. I don't mean to because, you know, when I use the Baylor comparison, it is not what happened at Tennessee is not what happened at Baylor. There's no rape stuff and stuff. This is paying money. It's stupid. It's just dumb. Um, and, and let's call it what it is. This is Jeremy became shocker. Those of us that knew Jeremy and knew the problems at Georgia and the problems where he's been other than at Alabama, where you don't, you don't step out of line over there. He doesn't get along with people. You know, he's hard headed. Uh, he's got personality issues with people and, so there are a lot of people out to get them, you know, and, and, and when the success on the field was not there, this, this is kind of, they went, this came to them, but this came to them. Um, again, this goes away or never comes to them if there's winning and there's not this problem with Jeremy. So there's this problem. Here's where we are. So new head coach, new leadership, athletic director, we're going to give you a lot of money. And we're going to give you seven years guaranteed. You, you make it a good job by giving you something that others won't give you. And that is security. And it is a place that you can be the guy that builds this program back because it is a program, despite everything you said, it's a program with a lot of history, a lot of facilities. It's a great place when you bring people recruits on there it is you know particularly for a southern boy it is it is kind of one of the uniquely southern the hills it's just it's got a lot going for it that they've screwed up well you can fix screw up you just gotta you gotta clean up the screw-ups and i'm i am amazed and i i I don't want to be rude i really am not I, i i don't mean that this way but man and, and I have nothing personally. I've had a good relationship with Philip Former, but I've been around a long time and seen what he has done and what everybody says, boy, he's got Tennessee. At a, he's got himself that he's, you know, he's, it's for Philip. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be, um, you know, the, 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 the white horse riding in, it's all about him. I think he has been very negative to the program for, look, you hire an athletic director, whatever, regardless what you think you have to let the the people do their job. But when, when you're kind of backstabbing athletic directors, cause you want the job and you get the job and then you, you're trying to make sure that, I mean, he is the master at shifting blame and taking credit. And I just think it's become a problem. And I'm the, the biggest concern I would have was that they were almost complicit with piggybacking on Philip and you've served us so well. And we've looked, we've looked towards your console and get this chancellor Plumman says, I will look to you for further console, even as your athletic director days are gone. I'm like, Okay, so again, I think that's what you got to divulge yourself from because I think that's what the issues are, and I think um, that has been a big part of the problem. And I'm going to tell you, that fan base there loves Phillip. 
Philip came back, became the athletic director, tried to clean this up, tried to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to clean up all the milk that's spilled in the kitchen. He was the one that dumped the carton out. He was the guy behind the scenes doing a lot of that. So my point is, is I think that's that is just the people there just love Philip because he's one of their own and he's got a lot of them food and God, does he have the media up there food in East Tennessee and no one they have. I think, you know, there's more golf courses per capita in Myrtle beach than anywhere in the world. There are more talk shows in Knoxville per capita than anywhere in the world. And they all worship Philip and whatever it is, Philip can come out and say, it's the 4th of July. <laughs> Never mind. It's sleeting and snowing outside. It's the 4th of July. You guys go out and have a picnic and they're going to believe them. And I just think that's been a big part of the problem there. And I just, you know, I just think him stepping aside, interesting. Oh, it's the right time. Oh, come on. This is on your watch too, Philip. The proof of that is just look at some of the coverage yesterday. They immediately launch into the Hugh Freeze watch. It's like, are you tone deaf? You can't, you can't hire. No, they, they just, and again, you, can't, you can't teach stubborn. You can't teach stupid. I mean, you, so you're going to sit there and say, yeah, like I said a while back, once this NCAA investigation came out, before it ever got to yesterday, it was clear. Hugh Freeze, folks, fan base, that you know, they've got a famous rock on campus. And familiar with that rock, I forget what they call the damn rock. So they paint the rock. So yeah. it's like, uh, you know, when Kiffin left, die Kiffin, or you know, um, you know, well, it is, you know, um, whatever it's hire freeze or freeze only or whatever, you know, they don't get it that the minute the NCAA investigation started to come out, um <laughs> It eliminated any possibility, if there was any possibility, any with you free. So what are you going to – you can't come in, folks, have a press conference to denounce. We're we're falling on the sword for all these NCAA investigations. But but let, let me introduce to you our new head coach who was just got off a show cause from the SEC, and we still don't have definite on that, but we think it is. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be anybody with any sort of NCAA issue. It's not it's impossible it's done it's over the other one the other one that's funny is is the lane kiffin talk that gets started every time tennessee has anything going on it it, it's it's amusing frankly people say where does it come from It, it comes from this if we're being totally honest kiffin is one of those guys that i think likes to troll i think trolling is fun for him and you he, think? You yeah, think? Yeah, I, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think that's fair. He, he makes some calls. He calls people. Like, hey, what's going on and stuff? And it turns into he wants the job. <laughs> I can't sit here and tell you with one hundred percent certainty that Lane Kiffin doesn't quote want the job end quote. I can tell you with one hundred percent certainty that he would be an idiot to go take that job right now, given where he is today, making what he's making today. It'd be, it'd be insane. Yeah, but remember something. We're living in the, people call it the information age. It's the misinformation age. You know, it is about, you know, hey, you know, welcome to Knoxville Sports Radio. Neil, who'd you like to see to be the head coach? Well, I think, you know, you know, let's make a run at Bill Belichick and say, you know, it's just like whatever. You know, they just throw stuff out and it's like, they're in a, everybody's in their own world. And it happens a lot, particularly I'm from the deep South. I love it. But, but, but there's like a people live in a hole. Sometimes they don't have a clue about what truly goes on anywhere else. They don't really know what's going on at their own place, but they think everybody, everybody in the world of coaching thinks the same thing about their program. Mo, Mo, no, no, you kidding me? In my XYZ school, it is one of the greatest because it's my, well, yes, I get it. You know, everyone thinks their daughter is the prettiest and their kid's the best T-ball baseball. I get that. I understand it. Nothing, nothing wrong with feeling that way. It's just not accurate, okay? And so you, a lot of what you're getting. Now, I, I was on a show yesterday. That uh, that that guy told me very, you know, I mean, this this is a long time, you know, uh, uh, University of Tennessee report. He says, and, and I, he says that 
half the people would love to see, and I don't know if it's this scientific, would love to see Lane Kiffin back. And I told him, I said, Dave, uh, the other half would despise seeing Lane back. So, I mean, it's like, it's not an issue. There's not even a possibility, but it's a lot of talk about who you'd like to see Joe Fan be the coach. And that, that translates into, well, I heard, I heard that, you know, so-and-so wants it. No. It's just not. I mean, this is the same group fan base, ex-players, everybody. They still, they had a camera at the McKee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, a, a, a permanently affixed one of those little cameras to watch for a plane just in case John Gruden showed up the last couple of hours. I mean, that's how wacky some of these people are. The passion is far greater than the intelligence in the realistic part, because, you know, John Gruden was never interested. He's interested in getting back into coaching and having his name tied to said job only helps in getting your name out. Much like Urban Meyer with Texas really got Shad Khan real interested about, you know, well, maybe he, because the word came out, no, 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 he's not interested in college, but he might be interested in the NFL. Really? That word gets around to set owners. And then you got the Chargers and the Jags interviewing them. That's what happens. And I try to, talk to people a lot about that but people believe what they want to hear take a break from this tell you that we're brought to you by blue sky blue sky believes in being fast fresh and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores blue sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products blue sky plans to keep things fresh they always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. Like I tell Chris all the time, a smile can say it all. Blue Sky wants to show our customers that they care about them and their shopping experience, and they will always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. We are also brought to you by um, Alpha Specialties, located at 1620. I was trying to pull up a graphic here. Located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. It is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailer being built today. Fully primed and powder-coated Load Trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty, and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market today. It's perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built. For podcast listeners, uh, Alpha has spare tires and wheels, Starting at just $100, they have a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories, and listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full-service shop. They can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. So give Alpha Specialties a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. Make sure to tell them that you heard about Alpha Specialties on the MPW Digital Network of Podcast. All right, Chris, we've probably spent uh, enough time on, on Tennessee for now. It's a story that's not going to go away. There is stuff happening around the rest of the league. One of the things, uh, people trying to put coaching staffs together, um, a lot of coaches, a lot of staffs have one opening, two openings. Alabama's having a, a, a lot of turnover. We talked about the running backs coach probably getting the Marshall job. He got the Marshall job. So what's going on in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban uh, putting this, a staff together? Well, you know, um, Nick will announce it when he wants to, but, you know, Bill O'Brien is in position there. And so now the focus is on the offensive line job. The, there's, there's a couple of guys. So Jeff Stoutland. Uh, who's a former offensive line coach at Alabama, is with the Eagles. Um, the Eagles don't have a head coach. Well, Jeff is under contract, so he he can't really do anything. Or, or you know, I mean, it, it, until they get a new head coach, they've got um, legal rights to him. So I think we're going to get 
a new Eagles coach here, I would expect this week. And then that'll be a determination on, you know, he'll be free to go there. But a name has emerged and and I think has been around, <clears throat> but is a real viable, viable candidate. Ironically, has been brought up for potential at Tennessee head coaching job, a former assistant there, Doug Marone, recently at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Really good offensive line coach, Syracuse, been around a long time. He's a guy that uh, Alabama Nick has some interest in. So those are two guys to watch on the offensive line job. We'll see how that plays out. Um, Nothing new. Don't know that anything's happening on the defensive coordinator side. So does it mean um, that they're going to stay put? Pete Golding has been kind of a whipping boy of the fans. I know Pete likes him a lot, uh, that Nick likes Pete a lot. Uh, but, you know, that's not where Texas is going. It doesn't look like um, Steve Sarkeesian is is uh, the focus right now. His is Pete Kawakowski, the defense coordinator at University of Washington. Um, we'll see how that plays out. So um, the other news around the league gets intriguing. Never a dull moment. LSU's trying to hire Ryan Nielsen as their defensive yeah. coordinator. He's the, he's the defensive line coach of the Saints. Um Things were not handled properly from a communication standpoint. So there's some legal issues with the Saints contract, but I expect him to eventually get the job at LSU. But it's basically like anything else. There are certain ways you got to handle things. And we're having a lot of switchovers. And I think um, I'm going to put it a certain way. I think the Saints are they there's not a lot of respect for Ed there by the St. staff. I think they feel like Ed, Ed's kind of lost in the wilderness and, you know, he's, he's, he's taken a couple of people on the staff, which is, is fine, but maybe how they do it. You know, he, Ed has a close relationship with Ryan Nielsen. They talk for people who don't know Ryan goes back former defensive lineman, um, he and Pete Carroll got him his first GA job back in Idaho in the early 2000s. And you, you probably remember Ryan. He was on, on Ed Steff in, in, in Ole Miss and was around him there. And then, of course, he's been around. Ryan's done a pretty good job at NC State uh, recruiting and developing defensive linemen. He's been in the NFL, does a good job. They like him in New Orleans. Um, I don't know that he's the 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 f- the guy that would replace Dennis Allen as defensive coordinator, but on the staff, he'd be the most likely to get that job. So they like him a lot. And uh, he has a close relationship with Ed. Um, You know, it is, it is something I think that may be, I think the, I'll, I'll describe it this way. I think the saints have no problem with a guy moving on, but there's a certain way to do it. I, I think their feeling is, we're not going to be just your training ground and you can just come in and not go through proper to protocols, LSU. (laughs) So I think, I think this is going to be work, but it's about money. And and I think about how much is old and what have you. And so anyway, well, it's, I think things are going to work out, but we shall see. I think the only thing that would change it is if Sean says, look, your future here is going to be better. And here's why there's a possibility that Ryan could look and say, you know what? My future is probably going to be better. This could be a one and done situation. Let's call it what it is. Um, Marcus Freeman. Yes. Was interested in coaching in the Midwest was interested in coaching at Notre Dame, but a big part of the intrigue was that the LSU situation is not very stable. You've had coaches that have go there and have moved on and had success. You've had guys who've been one and done. So it's a little bit risky there. So I think part of it is, Hey, Ryan, you go there. And I don't know you're, you know, this is going to end well, you know, for you at LSU. But the that's that's a guy due to the close relationship with Ed that would probably take the job, whereas some others, it ain't quite worked all that well. So that's the latest there. I'm trying to think what else. Vanderbilt looks like they're going to hire Jesse Minter, their new defense coordinator. He is the Ravens uh, secondary coach. So that's kind of some of the the news going around. Uh, the coaching search world around the SEC over the past couple of days. Yeah, people want to get this done because of the recruiting period, the the final recruiting period starts two weeks from tomorrow. But most everyone's recruiting the way that the recruiting schedule is now. Most everyone's recruiting is 90 to 95% done at, at this point. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think that's a I think you want to get the right guy and I think you want to kind of wait and make sure you get the right guy because you're right. I think that you can handle the rest of I think it's important to get the right guy and then get them as quickly as you can after you identify the right guy. I think sometimes I think one of the big mistakes that people make is quickly trying to hire a guy. And I'm thinking more head coaching searches now, but I think you can make a mistake on, on your staff too. And by rushing it and look, um, what type of relationship you're going to get. I mean, you think somebody, you bring somebody in, it's not going to have a tremendous impact on recruiting. What it will do is, all right, look, I'm recruiting said running back or receiver or defensive lineman. They like to know who their coach is, and maybe it might make the determination. So here's our new defensive coordinator, Neil. And, you know, you okay, I'm comfortable now, whereas who's going to be my coach? Well, we don't know. You know, so I think it it matters, but you can't you can't jump the the process in my mind by getting it. Um, or you, you, unless you, if you're like Alabama, you can, you can, uh, you can wait as long as you want, because that's the one place that everybody's waiting on Alabama <laughs> instead of the other way around. They're all waiting, waiting for what opportunities are there. We'll get back into some football topics in just a second. I do this every, every show. So I think it's important to touch base on where we are. SEC basketball, uh, going into tonight, uh, another week of SEC play scheduled to begin. South Carolina and Missouri play tonight at 7 Eastern, 6 Central, that game on the SEC Network. Uh, also tonight at 7 Eastern, 6 Central, Tennessee, the uh, sixth-ranked balls. They go to Gainesville to play Florida. That game can be seen on ESPN. And then the uh, nightcap of those two doubleheaders on the SEC Network at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, Ole Miss is at Mississippi State. And uh, red hot Alabama, six and zero in the SEC. They'll head to Baton Rouge. They're uh, in Chris's stomping grounds. They'll play the LSU Tigers on ESPN two. That game tips at nine Eastern, eight Central. The uh, rest of the schedule for this week in SEC play: all games tomorrow. Texas A and M's in Nashville to play Vanderbilt. That game's at seven Eastern, six Central on ESPN two. And then a couple of games on the SEC Network. Kentucky is at Georgia. That game's 7 Eastern, 6 Central on the SEC Network. And then Auburn is at Arkansas. The Razorbacks entertaining the Tigers. 9 Eastern, 8 Central at Bud Walton. That game also can be seen on the SEC Network. In case you're wondering about standings in the league, if you hadn't turned to basketball yet, the game in LSU tonight's big one for the standings. Alabama 6-0, and LSU's 5-1, and Tennessee's 4-1. and State Mississippi State's four and two, Kentucky's three and two, Florida three and three, Tennessee Missouri two and two, South Carolina's just been ravaged by COVID. They've only played two games. They're one and one in the league going into tonight's game. Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Auburn all two and four. Georgia and Ole Miss one and four. Vanderbilt zero oh and four heading into uh, Wednesday's game in Nashville. So that catches you up on. SEC basketball. We'll talk more about that as the season kind of moves along. I'm curious, Chris. Um, I saw with the NFL Combine, normally a major event in Indianapolis. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a lot of virtual stuff. It makes the Senior Bowl, which as of right now is going to happen, it makes the Senior Bowl even bigger than normal for for those kids, right? Uh, senior Bowl is always big, yes. But it, I tell you what it's really going to help is going to help the, um, the NFLPA all-star game because that's going to be like a in lieu of you know so that's one where you're going to get but the the players are not going to be the level of the senior bowl um senior bowl has always been a good place to get interviews and knock out a lot of them uh but you don't have as many players you know obviously you're dealing with 300 at the combine so yeah in fact we were on a couple of meetings last week and um i, I knew they were going to announce something and the details of what we talked about is, all right, so what we're going to try to do, the most important thing about the combine for people who don't know, 90% of the combine is medicals. Okay. That's the most important thing. That is, that's the only reason why we started the combine. And the reason is because before the combine, a, a player would, can you imagine would, um, would, uh, would in fact, the, the the genesis of it was I don't know if people remember Nolan Cromwell remember the the great Ram safety yeah uh, okay so Nolan was a was an option quarterback at Kansas and he had a lot of injuries and 
and he wasn't the only one, but it was, so this was pre-combine and he goes around and he's bringing all these, you you ever seen those big x-rays and there's like those gigantic, big, big, uh, envelopes. I don't know. So he was gone and he was going to city to city because he had a lot of stuff. And, and I said, we got to figure out a better way. So we started to have mini combines back then, believe it or not. It was like, you know, three or four combines where we had centrally located area. Then it developed and we had it, we had it in, uh, in Phoenix one year, we had it in Tampa one year, we had it in New Orleans one year, and then it kind of corresponded with the Mardi Gras. And then we ended up in Indianapolis and we stayed in Indianapolis. So the, the, the combine was literally, you come in, you had medicals and we'd measure you, we'd weigh you. And, and that was it. And then we said, well, we got them here and let's, let's run them. And then and we said, well, let's, let's, let's do this and that. And it developed into something to where, People see it as, oh, it's a workout. No, it is the the mo- the number one important process of the combine is medicals. Number two is medicals, and number three is medicals. It's everything. You get centrally located. You get all the information, and it's shared. So how are we going to do it this year is there are going to be about six locales in major cities where the majority of the players are from. So, I, you know. Um, Houston. Uh, Houston, it's going to be Chicago. I mean, it's going to be places like that. Yeah. Atlanta. And so we're, and then every team is going to send two people, two medical people that will get the information and do it there. So it'll be less people in one place. And, you know, the medical people will, will control with the hospital locales of making it safe and all that with the, the, the COVID environment. And then the toughest thing that we're not going to get is the face-to-face interviews with the players as football people on the board. So that's going to have to be done virtually. And um, the workouts again are going to be in, you know, six or eight different locations, kind of the same thing. So it's going to be, it, 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 people know it now as pro days. It's going to be more organized pro days with the difference being pro days are run by the school. And usually you deal it with the strength coach. So like you go to Ole Miss, the strength coach will coordinate it, but we'll coordinate it with an NFL scout or two that will help kind of coordinate it and work it. But this will be simply run by the NFL. So you'll say, you know, all right, you pick the school. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be Georgia Tech, you know, Atlanta. We said, we're going to do this just for, for grants. And, and the, the NFL people will run it and we'll get the facilities that are used. And we're just going to do it that way. Look, it's an adjustment. We can do it. Um, it's going to be interesting. I've been to every combine now, 34 of them straight. And um, I'll end up having to go to, well, I don't know what my schedule is yet, but we're, we're going to have to, you know, figure this out as we go. Yeah. We'll be interesting. It's been, been a weird year. Why not? Why not mess up the combine as well? That's a, I tell you what, that's a blow to like the NFL network because they love combine stuff and get great numbers on combine. Do you know we barely got the combine in last year? Yeah. The whole COVID stuff really started to ramp up in our country right after that. If you think about it, at, you know, end of February and, you know, right into March Madness when this all kind of blew up in our country from a sports standpoint where things stopped and all that. We just got the combine in. We thought about that. We all, all of us in the league talked about it, man. Uh, not that on the grand scheme of things, it's that important, but we were two weeks away from that thing being shut down as we were there. And you talk about having an effect, at least we've everyone, at least we've got a, a plan and time to prepare. Look, just got to have to do it uh, the way we did it. You know, it's just, it's an adjustment. I always say it's, it's, you got to adjust. NFL down to four teams. It's the uh, Buccaneers. You watch the games this weekend? I did. I watched. Uh, watched all of them. Uh, Buccaneers and Packers now in the NFC Championship. That game on Sunday. Uh, the other game on Sunday, of course, uh, Kansas City will uh, play host to Buffalo. Both of those should be really fun. We'll talk about those a lot on Friday. Uh, pre- kind of previewing those two championship games. I'll ask this: There's a lot of Saints fans in our audience, probably a lot of, a lot of Saints fans, certainly in Louisiana and Mississippi, all over the South. The Drew Brees era ends. We'll do a deep dive, you and me, at some point about just how much Drew Brees meant to New Orleans, just how much he meant to the Saints, how much, frankly, he, he sort of meant to the NFL. I'm going to ask you real quick to kind of move forward, though. Who's the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints September of 2021? Um, well, Sean, it, 
John has said publicly, and I know that privately, he has um, a, 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 a stronger belief that the answer is in the building that, than I do. Now, he's he's been impressed with the way that Jameis Winston has done work and handled that. Um, but I don't I don't know that uh, I'm as comfortable with that. I think the combination of having a quarterback and then Taysom Hill in that kind of a role where he can be the slash and do things is kind of what he wants to do. Uh, but handing the team over to Jameis Winston, look, I think it was a good signing, experienced guy, um, but I think that they need to look at other options. Now, it's easy to look at other options. It's difficult to find that. Do they find the right guy in the draft? Do they um, – uh, do they're, they're in a, here's the thing. They're in a world of hurt cap wise. They have backloaded everything. They've, they've put everything on the credit card to, to, to try to make a run. And now that, that they've got to move on, it's going to be a complete clearing of the house on how they do things. So I think that they're going to look at other options, but I think they feel like they've got options. I think they're probably going to offer Jameis Winston a contract this year. And I don't know that, he's going to get a significant amount of more, more money, if at all, outside the building than inside. So I think we start there, and I think we see what can be unearthed. He's looked at quarterbacks in the past, hadn't pulled the trigger. It's famous, and I, I don't know. I always kind of laugh when, you know, um, he's talked about how badly he wanted uh, Patrick Mahomes, but it was taken in front of him. Sometimes that gets exaggerated a little bit when the guy has success, everybody loved him, you know, a little bit more, but you know, obviously, um, now is time now is of the essence that if they go with a young guy, I think they need to pair what they have with a young guy to see, to see where it may take them. And look, we, we're going to learn this. You don't have a quarterback. Uh, Drew Brees made this team relevant and and gave them the window for years. Now, you know, he, he, having a quarterback is not enough. But if you don't have one, you're pretty much guaranteed to not have a chance in this league. The Baltimore Ravens take yet another kind of fairly early playoff exit. They didn't make the championship round. They're not going to the Super Bowl. I love Lamar Jackson. I love watching him play. The feeling that I had watching their game on Saturday against Buffalo was that there's just not enough around him. If you're the Ravens, this is kind of a soul-searching week, I'm guessing. What are, what are some of the, the questions that they're asking? What are some of the answers? Look, he's a tremendous athlete. You have to utilize those athletic skills, what they do in the run game, and you've got to create opportunities in the passing game. It's, it's different. Um, they don't excel in the – drop back pass game. So they're limited what they can do in the pass game. I mean, you can run boots, you can run waggles, you can do a lot of things, but you can't live on it. I mean, you just, you just can't, you become easier to defend in this league at the highest level of football. You become easier to defend with the more you're focused on one area. So the more things you can do successfully, the more difficult you're to defend. Well, Baltimore has to play with the lead. They have to dominate with the run game. What they have to do is they have to be great around Lamar. They have to have a great defense, and they're going to they're gonna need to have great receivers because I think Lamar is limited in the drop-back pass game. I think he can throw it, but he's not a great passer, and I think those things are unearthed the deeper they get into the playoffs. They're good they can be really good and they could win a lot of games, but against the best where the best teams can force you to play left-handed, they don't play. They don't go to their left very well. They can't handle that quite as well. Um, and that's why they've struggled like against the chiefs so much because the chiefs get a lead and then Baltimore really can't come back. I mean, it's, they've got to play from a front position and against a lot of teams in the regular season, you can do that. But can you win when you have to throw it? People know that you have to throw it. And can you be so dominant running it that people are going to have to play eight, eight and a half guys in the box to where you got really easy, you know, pass game matchups? It's difficult. It is very difficult. And I think we see it. Look at how Baltimore, uh, excuse me, how Buffalo has progressed. Josh Allen has developed. Yeah. Got a great weapon in Stephon Diggs. Run the football pretty well. Defense pretty good. All of a sudden, he can do a little bit more in the pass game. 
He can do some things not quite as good as Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes like in improvisational. Lamar can do some of those things, but as a passer, not quite as consistent doing it. And therefore, they're not quite as good. And you're right. They've got to be a better around them. You're a kind of a Browns alum. If you're the Browns, you're feeling pretty good right now. I mean, you, you, you gave Kansas City a hell of a run. You've got a young quarterback that looks like a championship caliber kind of quarterback. He certainly has the leadership skills to, uh, that, that you need. How, how close is Cleveland to being a Super Bowl contender? Coaching matters. Kevin Stefanski stabilized things. The running game is good. Nick Chubb is good. They've got some tight ends that can work in the passing game. Offensive line is good. Need to get a little bit more on the defense, but they've got some key, you know, um, Miles Garrett's good, but they need a little bit more pieces there. Good team, positive. The win over Pittsburgh was big for them. The fact that they came back competitive against the Chiefs, as you mentioned, I think very, very positive. Something to build on. I think with with Baker, you've got a guy that can make plays. The key with him is the plays that he doesn't make. He's got to be smart with the football, and I think because the play around him has been upgraded and because the coaching has emphasized take the check down, not always go for the big play, but also, Neil, because they haven't had to go for the big play as much. You don't yeah. risk it as much. When you're down – 10 points, 13 points, 17 points in this league, you're throwing it, you're aggressive, you take chances. Well, when you take chances, most of the time it's mistakes. When you don't have to take as many chances and you're smart with the football, you're better. Baker has gotten better at that, but there's still room for growth in that department. Uh, last thing, we'll talk about the two games on, on Friday, but the Rams lose again. You talk about championship quarterbacks. Is Josh Rosen – not Josh Rosen. Is – is uh. Jared Goff, yeah. Jared Goff, is, is he a championship quarterback? I know he's a good quarterback. I, is he I, a, a I, I think you can win with him. Uh, I think he played pretty well in all things considered. I thought he did a pretty good job. A little bit surprised that they they struggled as much as they did defensively. Uh, very good defensive coach who's, who's now going to be the, the, the new coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley. Uh, I mentioned him as a possibility in Detroit. On Friday, obviously, that's going to Dan Campbell. But, uh, yeah, I, I, is he the elite guy that you paid the ton of money to? No. But you don't pay a guy based upon, you know, necessarily what you what he is, but what are the other alternatives you have in the league? He's not one of the elite quarterbacks. He's good. He can be very good, well-schemed around him, but, but certainly they've got to do a better job around him and that's actually uh, something that Sean McVay's done very well. Hired well on his staff, and he works well, and a lot of good coaches come off that staff on both sides of the ball. The Rams will be back, but they kind of remind me of the Niners. Both have to be great or really good around the quarterback, and both quarterbacks are good enough to win with. They're not good enough to win for you. Occasionally a game here or there. But they are not put your team on the back, make a play. Hey, uh, Patrick Mahomes, go out. We're down 17 points in the fourth quarter. Go get them, boy. And they're not that. But, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> very few are. So I'll, I'll tease Friday's show with this because we'll, we'll do a deep dive into both of these games. But if, if the football gods, who I always enjoy when they come down and visit, if the football gods dropped down here into the Clark Ford studios and said, Neil, Chris, one of the underdogs wins on Sunday. Not going to tell you which one. Just going to tell you that one of the underdogs wins on Sunday. Tampa's about a four-point dog at Green Bay. Buffalo's about a three-point dog at uh, Kansas City. If, I, if, if they tell you that and then they poof, they disappear back into the ether where the football gods uh, live, which, which game would you lean towards an underdog winning? Uh, you want me to answer that now? Yeah, give me an answer, uh, and then you'll tell us. Um, I, 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 I think Tampa has the better chance, um, but it's going to be tough on the road team. And I, I'll tell you why I think you know that could be. But um, no, that's interesting. My initial thought would be Tampa, um, and and I'll get into why, and it's maybe not just the reason why people might think. Okay. Well, save that for Friday. We'll dive into that on Friday on SEC Football and Beyond. We'll get you the latest on the soap opera at Tennessee, catch you up on some uh, more coaching stuff. We'll get you an update on SEC basketball and then, of course, dive into the two NFL games 
and talk uh, draft and that kind of thing as we transition into the off-season portion of uh, our program. So for Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Thanks to everybody for being in the thread. Kenneth, thanks for the super chat. Uh, Chris, Grind, Ben Leslie, everybody, thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. We will see you on Friday. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.